Hey everyone, and welcome to Battle of the Atom. This is a weekly X-Men podcast where we rank the X-Men stories from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And today, we've got an interesting episode about what I like to consider. I like to consider this, Adam, as one of the most exciting times in someone's life, and that's being a teenager. (laughs) do you remember being a teenager back in the before times oh man yeah i mean like talk about being a mutant when you when you're a teenager you are straight up just gross and uh these stories that we're going to talk about today are kind of all about teens i I think everybody here is a teen right more or less here's the thing about teens i call them youths and really i call youths anyone between 13 and younger than me okay but I like reading comic book stories about youths. I think it's a lot of fun. Ms. Marvel is a great book. Runaways is a great book. Generation X was one of my favorite X books in a very long time. I hate youths in real life, though. They are devil people. (laughs) Well, it's funny you mentioned the Runaways because I feel like some of these books that we're talking about today are trying to emulate a runaways-esque uh atmosphere then not not necessarily as successful so yeah. we have a request here to start this start us off yeah a patreon supporter Corey duncan requested the first story that we're going to cover today and thank you Corey, for going over to patreon.com slash files and taking a one dollar two dollar every month tossing it over to that specific patreon account And we're rewarding you by making a whole episode about this thing that you wanted, which is New X-Men Academy X numbers one through six, choosing sides. Yep. Got to choose sides, you know, similar to, uh, you know, the sorting hat where, uh, you know, you have to pick your house. The X-Men are now going to divide themselves into squads um, so that all the teens have their own little mini teams on campus. Are you getting a, a Runaways meets Harry Potter vibe from yeah, from I'm, this particular line? I'm, I'm getting a, oh, dang, Runaways is doing all right. And mm-hmm. Harry Potter is really popular with those youths in the year of our <laughs> Lord 2004. So let's capitalize on that since we already have Hogwarts. Like, look, the X-Mansion is already Hogwarts. That's a thing. And if yep. I make any more Harry Potter references, I'll reveal to you that I've watched all of the movies in a fever pitch of a weekend and have just no frame of reference for anything else. I think there's a bald man who's very evil, and I think that uh, Hans Gruber is in it. And that's as far as I know <laughs> about Harry Potter. You never read the book, Zach? Come on. Get, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Adam. We're going to get this story out here on uh on the air because i don't think i've revealed this to anyone in my life mostly because it just hasn't come up when i was i want to say 10 maybe 9 
I got a copy of Harry Potter in the Prisoner of Azkaban. Somehow. I don't remember how. But I came from a very conservative background. I went to a private Christian school, which I think I've brought up here. I, did you know that, especially at the beginning, Harry Potter was not popular with the conservative groups? I did, yeah. That's one of those uh, those books that comes up on banned books lists a lot for no real genuine reason. No. So as a, as, as a youth, I critical thinking was not one of my strongest suits, which fair when you're 10. And I said, oh, okay, I guess I have to throw this away now. So I did. And well, I wasn't upset. It seemed like a good idea at the time. But since then, it seemed like a real effort to just get into Harry Potter. Like I missed the train. (laughs) Everyone was already super into it. I was like, okay, seems like you guys got a lot of inside jokes here. And there was a cultural moment. I'm not part of it. I'm okay with that. You do also spend the majority of your time reading very obscure runs of, of X-Men continuity. So we'll forgive you. Um, but yes, this, this particular uh, relaunch of new X-Men does seem to be trying to capitalize on those two things big time. Um, we have a, a core team of uh, students under Danny's leadership and uh, they are dubbed the new mutants. And we also have a, another group rival faction, which are kind of, uh, you know, the Slytherin of our, of our book, which is a new group of the Hellions led by the white queen. So, um, yeah, I mean, the setup is there. Uh, what do you think about the execution? Well, the execution by writers, Nuezo de Felipe's and Christina Ware and, uh, pencilers, Randy green, uh, rich Ketchum, Sean Parsons. Nope. Those are anchors. Uh, Staz Johnson, <laughs> Michael Ryan, uh, those are all the pencilers. I don't love it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. They put all of the good kids on the Hellions. They <laughs> they put literally all the interesting ones on the Hellions. Like, it's the most interesting person on the New Mutants is Elixir. And Elixir's just okay. And he's bad in this. Elixir yeah. doesn't become okay for, like... 50 more issues yeah he's not super fun here no he's a he's a jerk well so this comes out of a 13 issue run of new mutants uh which mm-hmm. i don't know how familiar you are with that uh the 2002 have you read it nope <laughs> mm. so you remember how uh cannonball in the new mutants graphic novel was working for uh the hellfire club Yes. But he was still a good kid at heart. Right, right. So Elixir does the same thing, except for he's a crappy dude. Makes and sense. And he, like, wants to work for that. Oh. Well, you kind of you kind of get that from this, yeah. But, yeah, this team, uh, for the New Mutants, it is David Aldean, Prodigy, uh, Nori Ashida, who's Surge, and Surge is fine. I, I really think Surge is... Okay. Well, I mean, Surge is much more interesting later. I feel like here, these characters seem a little bit bland, um, just in in their introduction. Right. Yeah. You got, uh, Lori Collins, who is wallflower and boy, is she, uh, (laughs) Josh Foley elixir 
and Sophia Mantega, who is a uh, wind dancer. Is that her name? I forget. It doesn't matter. Yeah, things come to her through the breezes, um, which is a very and she can like send some pheromones and control some wind stuff. She's got some very <laughs> generic powers. And then also later joining this team, <sighs> Jay Guthrie. Do you know who the worst Guthrie is? Well, I was thinking about this as I was reading it. Like, there is no definitive Guthrie family tree, right? Like, when I saw got- Jay Guthrie, I'm like, which one is Jay? <laughs> How Jay, many Guthries are there at this point? Jay is the one that Claremont introduced in New Mutants when Sam went home for the first time. And he was like, Sam, I've had to take care of the family. And he said, Jay, you're like 12. Mom's taking care of the family. Don't give me crap. <laughs> and then, and then, and then he's, uh, he, he Romeo and Julieted with a girl. And it was very bad. Have you not read She Lies with Angels? Um, oh, oh gosh. Adam. I, maybe I haven't. I don't know. I got to go the, back and check It's that. the Romeo and You would know. Oh, my gosh, Adam. Is that gonna, the one Jordan was talking about? It's the one where Husk and uh, Archangel oh. do it in the sky in front of Mock yep. Guthrie. Yep. Yeah, I've seen that. That's uh, that's a Chuck Austin one. Yeah, it's um, very bad. Bleh, very bad. bad. Chuck the Truck has had better days. But yeah, and and to add to Jay Guthrie uh, and his weirdness, uh, he also has given gotten rid of his name Josh because Josh is a name for losers apparently. Which Josh sorry is the name of another character in the readers. book. That's the entire reason. <laughs> it's like let's bring in Josh Guthrie. Oh, we already have Josh. He's Jay now. Josh, you're now Jay. <laughs> I mean, that's the only logical reason. Yeah, I guess. Um, so the major two plot arcs that we have in these first six issues are that there is a capture of the flag uh, game between the New Mutants and the Hellions teams. The flag turns out to be Lockheed. Um, so the, the teams have to battle each other. And the other has to do with the character of Wither, um, who is wanted by the FBI for accidentally killing his father. Which he did do. Yep. And the uh, the Hellions say screw that they shouldn't be taking he's not going to get a fair trial in court he's a mutant and they go to try and break him out of the fbi which look fair (laughs) they aren't wrong this is a this is a nation with state-sponsored genocide robots so maybe they have very (laughs) very tangible fears about how this system is going to treat them and the new mutants being the good guys say no we've got to stop them and Mm. they kind of do and it all works out but it's a but it didn't have to yeah yeah, it's a weird it's a weird beat and here's the here's the thing i was thinking as i was reading this stories don't always have to be end of the world you know ah, super high stakes i'm fine with low stakes stories Stories still have to have stakes and they still have to have stakes that I believe in and keep me invested in it. And I don't feel that from this book. It, especially in the early parts, this capture the flag thing. Oh, what school is going to get the most points? There's a reason why Harry Potter stopped doing that by like the third book. Cause they were like 13 year olds aren't going to care about this. <laughs> 
Um, plus, it's also not like a major plot point. It's something that teachers mumble occasionally in scenes and students might get excited about, but it's not the plot of the story. Um, there's also some questionable bits here and there. Um, Rain, who is now a teacher, is hooking up with Elixir, who's his student. Yeah. That's pretty gross. Let's talk about that for a second here. Uh, oh, what? So yeah. this, is a, this is a carryover from New Mutants. Mm. and it's disgusting and I hate it for very specific reasons that make it more egregious than like Kitty and Colossus back in the 80s. And here is why. Because while there was an age gap between Kitty and Colossus, one, it wasn't a stated, really understood age gap. Like that was a, oh no, crap, there is an age gap here. and We've already kind of written this romance. So, one, right. it wasn't text for a while. Two, Colossus was not in a position of explicit authority over Kitty Pride. They were equals. There is a very, very big and significant difference in terms of power dynamic between two equals who have an age difference and a teacher and a student. That's messed up, and it's especially messed up coming from Rain Sinclair, who is the good, good Catholic Pro Protestant. She's not Catholic, uh, but good, good Protestant girl. That it definitely, yeah, it definitely feels wildly out of character. Um, the way that she's written in general throughout these issues, which is not, she just doesn't appear that often. No, it just doesn't seem like the character at all. Um, same with Danny. I feel like Danny is, you know, just there. Um, she doesn't seem to have any of her hallmarks of um, her leadership aside from just not liking the White Queen very much. She has no edge. Um, like, that's the thing about this, no. Danny. Danny in New Mutants and Danny in X Force, like, she's not a wild card, but she has, like, this, this anger behind her, like, She'll she'll turn on a fuse, and she's very interesting about that. Where this mm -hmm. Danny is, I'm gonna be a good role model to all these students, and that's boring. And the only person she ever gets mad at is Emma. And while she should be not liking Emma because Emma may have tried to kill her more than once, uh, she gets mad at her for the littlest, dumbest things, like to the point where I have to sit back and like you guys are adults, stop being petty. And I've never worked in a school system, <laughs> but it feels like something that you should be able to say, guys, freaking come on. Don't do that. Oh, yeah, there's there's no real analog here between uh, <laughs> what's going on in these issues and anything that would actually happen in a school. Um, so overall, I think, you know, there's definitely some, some hiccups here. This feels like something that was maybe rushed to a trade it's you know i, I don't want to say it's rushed the, some of the art here is is pretty good in the latter issues um you know the, the writing is not terrible um but it, it does feel like something that was designed for like a collected edition similar to what became the popular way to read runaways um and i i don't think it adds up you know i i think new x-men becomes something later on in its run um but here we're we're really not we're not no, there yet. No, I mean there is a there is a reason why about halfway through this run they kill off most of these characters and replace them with the way more interesting Hellions. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, yeah. it's quite a thing. And I know, I know there's people who love these books. There are, I'm sorry, guys, I don't. Well, and I can see why someone might, you know, like if you don't know anything about X-Men and you're, you know, picking up another Marvel book because you were reading Runaways and like maybe you th- you're coming into it from just that non understanding of what the universe is and you don't know that there's other better stuff. I could see why this could be beloved to someone who read it as a kid, but um, I, I don't think it holds up objectively against other stuff that, you know, that we've read and that we know about in this universe. So uh, where do you, well, we've got 120 this? stories on this list with number one being days of future past and number 120 mm-hmm. being the Draco. That's what we've got, right? We got 120. Am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am looking kind of low here. Um, I'm curious how low Here's you my would ceiling, go. Because this, um, this is a yeah. something of a comparable story. But Spider-Man and the X-Men 1 and 2, I think this is worse than that. I actually think this is worse yeah. than X-Men Evolution I, number 9 House Party. But that's me. Uh, oh, yeah, I was actually looking around the Children of the Atom story, which, you know, was another sort of two issue. Let's introduce a whole bunch of characters. I think this might be a little bit better than that. Um, I actually, you know, I didn't hate reading this. Um, I just don't think that it really stands up like I don't want to revisit it. Um so I can see an argument where it might fit in nicely behind between house party and the X-Men Quanon stuff. If only because this makes more Quanin's sense better. than Quanon. better art. That's um, the thing we didn't talk, but the art in all okay. six of these issues is Matt. Yeah. It's much better in the, in the final issues of, of this particular arc, but it, it you know, it's not that great in the first uh, couple issues. So it's that 2004 manga inspired stuff. That's not really good. Mm-hmm. But you get what they were trying to do. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a second. Ooh, Uh, we are. (laughs) Is it better than Life Death 3? Storm Volume 3, Number 3. No. I I don't think it is. Okay. That Life Death story is okay. So how low low do you want to go? I think this is better than Expose. It's better than Deadly Genesis. Okay. So... So, I think... Below Children of the Atom. I can put it above it. Above it. I can put it above Children of the Atom. Children of the Atoms, damn near are incomprehensible. That, that's true. It's not exactly a, a good introduction to a, a storyline. So, all right. So, the, Children of the Atom is a bad story with Chris Bachelor art. Yeah. This is this is all right. Yeah. Compared to that, so number ninety-seven on our list. Not a terrible showing. Yeah. All right. Okay. So the next Zach. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Zach. yeah. What is this? <laughs> what is this thing, Adam? I forgot. What is this I forgot thing? so much. <laughs> I forgot so much about this. I really. Oh man. I really. Can did. I? Can okay. I ask you a question? So we're going to talk about. Well, why yeah, don't, no? Why don't that. you introduce it before I ask you this question? We are talking about NYX. From 2003, written by Joey Quesada, with art by Josh Middleton and Rob Ternishi. All right. So I was trying to think of a 
of an interesting way to kind of segue into this because this is this is very different from what we were just talking about. Um, have you ever by chance seen there's a 1995 movie called Kids? Have you ever seen Kids? I have not seen Kids. Okay, no. so listeners, if you've never seen this movie, I can't say that. I- Hold on, wait, Adam, Adam, Adam. Are we doing are we doing nineties movie synopsis with Adam yes, again? This is uh my, my my new feature, nineties movie synopsis uh corner. <laughs> it's like Zach's hot take corner. Um so if if you've never seen it, I don't know if I actually recommend it, but it's a it's a fictional movie with a documentary style uh shooting, and it's basically about kids in the nineties just floating around doing whatever the hell they want. They are doing drugs, they're skateboarding, they're you know, partying it up. And the, the central plot line involves this boy who's, you know, there's, there's a storyline with Chloe Savini and HIV and it's, it's just very dark. And I feel like Joe Casada watched kids and that stuck with him for a while and is in his attempt to continue the maturation of the Marvel universe through the Marvel Knights and Max. And here we are in, in 2003, he decided that, you know, what needs the edge, what needs this kid's edge is the X-Men. And so here we're going to make NYX. And what is this thing? Because it, the part of me is so just abjectly like root, repulsed by this um your thoughts uh before we get into specifics so so this is a this is a story that was percolating for a while it came out of a uh it came out of a pitch that brian wood actually did for the marvel max imprint uh that was not going to start new characters or anything like that uh that never really developed but the idea of like a street level gritty X-Men ish mutant story stuck with them for a while. So Joe Casada and Josh Middleton did NYX, which is a story about some teens in New York city who are mutants, but then it gets gross. Actually, no, it starts gross. Cause the very first shot of this is of a 16 year old girl on a toilet taking ecstasy and then the way that it's framed and drawn it's oddly explicit and sensual and that's an uncomfortable that that's what we got to talk about in this here uh there's a lot of stuff that happens in nyx none of it's incredibly interesting well i i think these are two good places to start one is that you can tell that through the writing and through the artwork of the first couple of issues, and then it stems into the latter couple of issues when it switches our artists, that the intent here is to be salacious, right? There's a yeah. couple of shots there where, you know, it's just unnecessarily, here's an upskirt shot, you know, under a kid's desk. Yeah, that's um, the, that, that in the first issue legitimately set me off because there is at no, no point. No. It doesn't contribute to the storytelling process that you can say that doing what is literally an upskirt shot of a teenage girl is the right storytelling choice for this comic book 
that you are going to be putting your name on Marvel Comics. Mm. Come freaking on. So, and, and we'll get, I think, a little bit more intense about this when we talk about a specific character in a second. But I just want to say that the other crime of this book is that it is boring. It is a very boring, so boring for something that is supposed to be so, you know, salacious and uh, outrageous. The basic storyline here is that there is a, a teenage mutant whose father was a police officer who was gunned down in front of her as a child. She can stop time or slow it down to a point where it's it's almost, you know, stopped. And she's guided by the ghost of her father to seek out other people, be it her high school teacher who um, tries to commit suicide or some of the other very, no, I mean, some of these characters are just so two dimensional and then nothing happens with any of them. And the culmination and conclusion of this story is the death of a minor subplot character. And that's supposed to be like the big wrap up of the story. Nothing actually happens over the course of these issues. They spend the majority of their time just sitting around doing nothing. Can I tell you about this book? Do you know when the first issue's cover date is? Oh, well, it took a long time to finish this. Didn't it have a lot of delays on it? It's 05, yeah, right? It's November 2003 till October 2005 for seven issues. Yeah. Yeah. That's almost two years for seven issues of a boring comic book. Mm-hmm. It's um, buck wild. Yeah. And who is waiting around for the further adventures of Katiana, who is like... <laughs> who is who gets her power from the blood of dead animals oh my, oh my gosh this is such an edgy book well when i saw the two-page spread which is which is pretty beautifully done of her you know and all the animals i was like oh nature girl is in this i was like wait a minute that's not nature girl uh, and then oh. oh i'm sorry to disappoint you okay so we've gotten over the the, the basic hurdles of why this is problematic let's get into the well can can we get one more thing before we get into the thing yes please uh the teacher in this oh god joe casada is so freaking brutal to this woman who is working in a <coughs> inner city school doing her hardest where everyone around her is saying you need to leave this is not good for you mm-hmm he gets this woman shot and then has her husband leave her and then has her commit suicide. And then gets it's dragged around so... by the rest of these boring characters with nothing to do and no reason for her to be there for the rest of the series. <laughs> it's just so like, it's, it's not shocking that this came out around the same time that freaking identity crisis at DC came out mm. because it's trying so hard to be bam, pow comics aren't for kids, but it doesn't even come close to working. No, it doesn't at all. And so let's get into the very, very toxic and the most problematic part of NYX. And that is that they take a character who was premiered in a, 
children's television cartoon series, X-Men Evolution, which is specifically on after school, you know, Saturday morning cartoon it was Saturday series. morning. It was a Saturday morning cartoon, right? not an afternoon series. Right. It was a Saturday morning series. Thank you very so much. Kids are supposed to watch this. All right. And if you watched X-Men Evolution, you know that X-23 was one of the characters on that show. I feel like anything that may be of value here, all any and all goodwill is completely lost in the depiction of X-23 as a child prostitute in various states, stages of undress, who is also a cutter in this series. Like, what in the world were they thinking that those two that that we were going to get from point a to point b here i i just i'm i'm a little bit speechless about this because and <laughs> i i saw your tweet um about you know when the guy emerges from the bed with his his back all cut up and and you just basically cursed out uh nyx for for existing well because he says because he says here's what he says you don't know that this is X-23 yet because she's never been in a comic book. Why would you? You just see this guy has been with a prostitute who is not old enough to be making these kind of decisions for herself. Uh, and his back is all cut up. And he looks over his shoulder at the camera to say, you're the best at what you do. And at that point, I just lost it and said, are you freaking serious, you comic book? Yeah. Yeah, it's brutal. It's brutal. And so the conclusion of this story, which is, you know, this really convoluted um, grouping of random characters that are being guided around by a ghost, even into the very last issue where we're still adding people to this little team. Um, oh, yeah. Bobby. <laughs> felon. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the, you know, ultimate it, conclusion of this story is to basically get the team together to have x23 kill her pimp um whose name is zebra daddy let's take this back for one second because you're doing this dark gritty just you know pitch black story but also the main character one of the main characters the main antagonist name is zebra daddy yep zebra daddy who every time you see him is literally snorting a mountain of cocaine off of a table like there's a panel where there are two giant mounds of cocaine on a table that he's going to town with and it's like yeah that guy would be dead um zebra daddy zebra daddy needs his stuff oh my god so there is no catharsis in any of the conclusion here you just want to wrap x23 in a blanket and (laughs) find her you know a good home because it's just so sad um and i'm so glad that you know good writers have had a chance to really do justice to this character over the years but it's very unfortunate and um this this grosses me out like even marjorie lou has uh taken elements of this run uh from especially x23's past and done some work with it that has been successful. Mm-hmm. But even then, it feels a little unnecessary. Um, Yeah, I don't quite understand the idea behind making her so quote unquote edgy. You know, like if X-23 was a male clone 
of Wolverine and we've got those, you know, we've, we've got enough Wolverines running around. There's a, there's a handful. Is there a a writer? Is there an editor around that is thinking to themselves, you know, what would be the best way to introduce that male clone is in his underwear as an underage prostitute servicing adult men. No. So there's an element here of, of just trying to push buttons that do not need to be pushed. And it just, uh, I I don't know. Like I said, it it makes me a little speechless. This is a bad book and it should feel bad. And it, it's gross. It's boring. Mm. And it, like it crosses too many lines like this is there's so much fetishization in this book that it's not even funny you have a high school student wedding herself you have like all this embarrassment stuff you have a cat person you have this mutilation stuff it's it's uncomfortable to read Mm -hmm. like i know i know that like culturally in our sensitivity to different things in 2003 it was you know, it wasn't right, but it was, you know, it was a different time. So I see how this got through. But looking back at it in the year of our Lord 2018, I am, I am almost as speechless as I am that Legacy of Fire got released. Well, in fact, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be, <laughs> I shouldn't be surprised because these came out in like the same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely feels like a, a a natural progression through the let's see just how far we can go um, train of thought. And so um, let's get into ranking this. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm looking very low on the list for, you know, I all would, the reasons that we've discussed. I would rather read number 118 on our list right now x-men the 100th anniversary special and that is saying something because you hate that book um, i do and i've read it like five times already yeah um is this that worse leaves, than god here's, loves here's what it leaves yeah go ahead it leaves god loves man kills too mm-hmm. x-men phoenix legacy of fire and yep. the draco yeah and i think this is actually worse than god loves man kills too for sure yeah, I think that the question is, we're not going to put it lower than the Draco. Um, no, because the Draco. That, that has that mainstream character assassination. Um, so is this worse than Phoenix Legacy of Fire? I want to say no. Yeah. I want to say no because they're both bad. Mm. this one is nyx is at least at at giving giving credit nyx is at least trying to tell an emotionally resonant story with these characters using some sensitive themes that are poorly handled i can understand the good intentions that got that may have went drastically wrong with NYX where Phoenix legacy of fire is nothing but bad intentions. I I'm with you 100%. So 
the sooner we stop talking about NYX, the better I will feel. So this is our new 120. This is our new 120 NYX. That sure is something. Look, if you like NYX, don't tell me. I don't want to know. I don't care. It's bad. Oh, all right. We, we got one more though. Yes. And, and let's talk about something that's a little bit more feel good than uh, all of the negativity that we just expressed there. You know, you know how we started this show. Like I, I know we talked about it. I think it was off air uh, when Chris Sims was on. Uh, but do you remember what our first three stories were? Uh, then we do God loves man kills. God loves man kills two. And what was the third one? It was that Wolverine and the X-Men dupe story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So here's the thing. If we would have started this podcast one year later, that <laughs> we could have not been on this yeah. because we would have done an equally wacky and even more thematically appropriate story that just came out called Glob Loves Man Kills. Beautiful pun. I love it. I love it. <laughs> this um, is Old Man Logan 39 and 40 by Ed Brisson and Abraham Robinson. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cute. What's this story about, Adam? Well, so um, this is, we just did an episode recently about an amazing X-Men story with uh, Anole going on a date and being very nervous about it. Um, that story resulted in a successful uh, date at the end, um, going out to coffee. This is a very similar story. Unfortunately, it doesn't go so well. Glob Herman has uh, been doing some online chatting with a young lady who he thinks is, you know, going to go on a date with him. Our mutant Unfortunately, mutant mingle. Yes, um, with the support of his great friends, uh, Anole is there. We've got Shark Girl and um, Rock Slide, uh, Rock Slide um, who are all, you know, just rooting him on, which is great. Unfortunately for Glob, uh, it turns out that he is being catfished by none other than a very annoyed group of purifiers who are annoyed that their New York branch is not as successful as perhaps other purifier branches and want to stage an attack on uh, the, the central park mansion. So yeah. they get glob to kind of bomb the lobby and then by, fighting by, by, ensues. Be, be clear. They and, don't, they don't, everything kind of works out at the end. Let, let's be clear. They don't turn glob into a bad guy again. They kidnap quote kidnap the girl he's supposed to date and say we will kill her if you don't yes. do this and glob does everything very apprehensively yes yeah he doesn't he doesn't want to be uh, turned into a villain he just kind of plays along to save the girl he does as little damage as possible and then if helps he could cry he would be crying the whole time <laughs> yes instead you just get paraffin wax just like i guess globbing up on his face i guess um i don't know how the physics of glob herman work you all hmm. know that glob herman is a giant pink skeleton boy right mm -hmm. like yep. he's 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 your inside parts and then he's a he's a baymax shaped boy <laughs> who's see-through in pink yeah now there is a, a subplot here of old man logan i guess he's losing his stuff like his healing factor is not working he's losing yeah, he's, sight in his eyes so he's getting a checkup um that's not as exciting around brisson essentially says okay but can i not write old man logan for two issues <laughs> can i write <laughs> yeah. something else 
because this sounds fun. Yeah. And uh, it is fun. Um, I think we've both expressed our, our love for Kalab in the past. Oh, um, boy. And uh, it's nice to see him, you know, have some emotions, go on a little adventure. And um, I like the little team of, uh, of, of X-Men that he's with in this story. It's good. Yeah, it's a it's a fun little thing. The X-Men saved the day. Sadly, mm-hmm. uh, Glob finds out that the girl who catfished him online was actually a secret purifier agent, and she says some very mean things to him. Yeah, yeah, that's Glob unfortunate. The day, though, and all of his friends get to say, Glob, we like you, and you'll find a date sometime. <laughs> I think the important thing that is kind of underlooked, but they make sure that the people that Glob is sharing this with, they are all mutants with very distinct physical mutations. Mm-hmm. They don't look like everyone else. Yeah. So they can all empathize with, you know, the Globster. Yeah. It has, it has that similar theme to the, uh, Anole story that we talked about recently. Um, I will say that while I applaud the story for trying to give a little bit more world building to, uh, to the, um, Central Park X mansion. I, I was a little bit weirded out that the Gen X cast is here and are kind of shuttled into the danger room as if they were small children <laughs> where, you know, that if this was going down, that Quentin choir ain't run into the danger room. <laughs> like choir is either not running to the danger room or he's the first person in the danger room. He doesn't get ushered in there. Uh, no, no. Like it, that, that, just struck me as a little strange um like why they would treat why the gen x cast would treat these other characters who are not significantly older than them um as the adults in the situation doesn't quite make sense to me but because logan I, was hanging out with them earlier i That's guess good. yeah what, what I'll let it the yeah i mean it just it really does a nice job of uh of showcasing glob so if you like glob herman you gotta read this story I bought this story specifically because it was a Glob Hermit <laughs> story called Glob Loves Man Kills. Like, that had to be the entire pit, right? Like, Ed Brisson's sure. laying in bed one night. It's 3 a.m. His eyes just shoot open. He grabs his phone and texts his editor. He says, Glob Loves Man Kills. <laughs> Sends it. Wakes up the next morning and he gets a text back and says, Was that a pitch? And he said, It is now. <laughs> Well, and you could you could have done a nice uh, original graphic novel with this, you know, like uh, you take some of the old man Logan stuff out of here and it, it would really work on its own. It would literally sell to two people. Yeah, I, I, don't know. I would love it. Works it works better under the old man Logan banner, but uh, he's not really in the story. Yeah, not, he, he's having some eye problems and <laughs> but whatever. He stabbed he stabbed some guys. Yeah, he's around. Uh, this is this is fun. It's kind of light, but it's it's a, it's worth it to read for two issues. Yeah. Uh, what do you what do you think about ranking this thing? I think it's better than that Anole story. Well, we have that at uh, number eighty eight. So um, I think it, it. We also have at eighty five Spidey and X Men one and two, which I think Lob Herman is also in. Um, Glob Herman gets turned into a a triceratops in that one. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely does. Um, So I'm kind of looking in that general area. This is Um, oddly comparable to that Spidey and the X-Men stories. It is. It is. It has its weaknesses, but it's fun and it's a nice focus on a character. I don't 
know if it's better than Spidey in the X-Men 1 and 2. It's not. I don't think it's... It's probably not better than that time that Ghost Rider became a brood queen. No, no, it's not. Um, it's, it's, better than, it's better than the story that's right below that, though, which is the special edition X-Men number one backup. Yes, the tour of the X-Mansion by Kitty and Eliana. So that's a good place for it. You want to put it at our new 87? That'll be our new 87. Glob loves man kills. Jeez. That's like, respectable. That's such a perfect. Oh, man. <laughs> Good episode. Good episode. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Corey Duncan. If you want to get in on the action and write your own script for an episode like this, you don't really write a script. You more just say, hey, I want this story. And we say, cool. Uh, or we haven't read that and we don't want to find it think we've only said that once and that was at the beginning we fixed that now uh <laughs> but uh you can head on over to patreon.com slash xavier files toss in as much or as little as you want at the two dollar month level you get a whole episode built around you and isn't that neat uh you can also go to xavierfiles.com where we have all of the latest and greatest of x-men garbage uh that's also where this podcast is and i'm on twitter.com at xavier files Adam, where can people find you online? No. All right, guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. And uh, if you don't already have a copy of the Search for Bishop Jubes, um, I would be glad to send you a zine in the mail. Uh, go to adamreck.bigcartel.com. One dollar pays for printing and postage, so really no excuse. If you got some quarters sitting around on a couch cushion, uh, you, you can you can make the magic happen. Uh, so head over to adamrec.bigcartel.com and get your copy today. That is, it's really fun. Go read that book. <laughs> uh, I think that does it for this episode. I can tell you though, that next episode, we've got the one, the only Cullen Bunn joining us to talk yeah. about some stuff. And here's a, here's a little teaser for you guys. We figure out what X-Men Black was. Yeah. Until then. This has been Val the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!